Well, this morning I want to talk with you about division, discord, factions, hypocrisy, foolishness, and confusion. And when this is what things look like around you, what do you do? And I mean, if you think about it, there are a lot of options, right? I mean, you can post on Facebook about it. You can tweet about it. You can complain about it. You can try and be the change and fix things. You can vote. You can just try to ignore things. You can do lots of things. But when the Apostle Paul encountered all of these things, and he uses all of these words to describe what was going on in the church in Galatia. He, he didn't do any of that stuff. He, did, he didn't post on social media about it. He didn't have social media. Instead, what he did is he wrote the church a letter, which is commonly known to us as his letter to the Galatians. And so if you have your Bible, um, it, is, it is right about here in the Bible, right about two-thirds of the way through. And, and it's this letter that Paul wrote in response to all of this stuff going on that we're going to be diving deeper into really throughout the next eight weeks. And so in his letter, Paul addresses the division in the church, the drama, the disruption, the way they were devouring one another. He addresses it pretty directly. And I think he does that because this was all very personal to Paul. It was all very personal because if you remember back uh, it might seem like a long time ago now, after Easter, right? We weren't meeting, we were online. Uh, and we did a sermon series on the book of Acts, on Paul's missionary journeys. And in one of his missionary journeys, one of the things Paul did is he planted the church in Galatia. And when he planted the church there, it was a church not of Jewish people. It was a church largely founded by Gentile people. And what Paul did is he did what he did wherever he went. He simply preached the gospel. He said, hey, look. Uh, God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world. Jesus is the Messiah, he is the king, he has brought about his kingdom. And so what I want you to do is to repent and to believe and make him the king of your life. And so what happened is people did that. People repented, they believed, they were baptized, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And actually they began seeing miracles in the community around them. And when Paul left, I mean, things were going pretty well. He, he kind of moved on, started churches elsewhere, but then along the way, Paul eventually got word that things had kind of gotten off the rails a little bit. And so this church that Paul had planted that was very healthy, what happened was a, another group of Christians came and, and they said, hey, Paul didn't tell you everything you need to know. They said, actually, uh, you don't need to just believe in Jesus to be justified and have a relationship with God. Instead, you also, well, you also, to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, you also need to be circumcised. And now you can imagine the Gentiles were like, wait, what? Like, that wasn't part of what we signed up for. Like, I don't know about any of that. I didn't, Paul didn't tell us about that stuff. And so they're like, wait a second, this is different. And then this, this group also said, well, you not only need to be circumcised, you also need to follow the Jewish calendar and the Sabbath days and the holy days and the feast days. And you need to follow the Old Testament law if you really want to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And so what happened was there was a lot of confusion in the community. And some people said, hey, I want to be with Paul. 
Other people said, hey, you know what? I'm, I want to be with the, these new people. Other people, like the new Christians, they were just confused because honestly, they didn't know what was going on. They're like, wait, what are we supposed to believe? Are we supposed to believe this? Or are we supposed to believe that? There was fighting. There was debates. All of this stuff was going on. And what happened was instead of living and looking like Jesus, which is God's desire for us, they really began living and looking just like the world around them. And they were divided. There were factions. They were devouring one another, Paul says. And now sometimes we read the Bible and we think, you know, this stuff happened so long ago, it's disconnected from our lives. But then other times we we come across stuff like this and the, the words Paul uses to describe the society, right? Discord, factions, division. And at a level that feels like he's describing our world today, doesn't it? I mean, at that level, it feels like, okay, yeah, this is what we see going on in, in our world, in our country, in our community, even in our churches. And now, our divisions are a little bit different than the things they were divided over, but, but we still have plenty of stuff that divides us. I mean, if you think about it, I'm not taking a poll here, but you have, right, you have pro-Trump, you have pro-Biden. You have people who are pro-mask, people who are anti-mask. You have people who are saying, okay, you know what, police lives matter. And other people saying, well, black lives matter. Other people say, you know what, build more monuments. Other people say, take the monuments down. People say, look, let's sing the old songs in church. Other people say, no, let's sing the new songs in church. Other people say, we shouldn't be open. Other people say, we should be close. You know, it's like all this stuff is dividing us. And so what's happening is we can relate to what's going on here. And sometimes... What we do is we, we try to solve all of these problems and divisions on our own. And we, you know, we, we have votes, we have debates, we have commissions, we have task forces, we have conversations, all this stuff. But I don't know if you're like me, but right now it feels like we're at a point right now where we've kind of come to the end of ourselves. That all of the divisions around us, the challenges we're facing, at a level it feels like we, we can't solve these problems on our own. We need something else. We need someone else. And ultimately, that's where the, the church in Galatia found themselves as well. Because, you see, they figured out that they couldn't solve their own problems either. Their, their challenges were too big for them. And so as their challenges were so big and they traveled to Paul and, and they came and told Paul about what was going on, Paul, what he did is he really, he just simply pointed them back to the basics. He pointed them back to the basics and he pointed them back to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And what he he tries to do in this letter is say, hey, I know you have a lot of, of practical issues and these are very real issues and the issues dividing us are very real. A lot of them are very complicated and they're serious. And Paul says, look, I know you have all these practical problems, but you know what? You need to look also for spiritual solutions. And he says that a lot of the problems you're facing, church, are actually connected to God. And so, throughout the letter of Galatians, and if you have your Bible, I invite you to bring it, bring it each week. He tells them this at first. He reminds them to believe. He says, hey, brothers and sisters, believe in Christ Jesus. Remember that God sent him out of love for you, for Jews and for Gentiles, for all people. Remember, God sent Jesus out of love into this world so that you could be justified and put in a right relationship 
with him. And so in Galatians chapter 2, we read this. Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. So what Paul's doing there is he's reminding them, hey, he's reminding them, look, Jesus is enough. These people have come in the community and they said, hey, look, it's Jesus plus these other things. Paul says, no, no, no. Justification equals Jesus plus nothing. It's not about what you do or what you've done. It's about what Jesus has done on your behalf. He reminds them of the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for them. And he, he reminds them, he says, look, believe. And then he goes on to say, don't just believe, also be united. Be united in Jesus Christ. Because he knew the divisions that were going on amongst them. And he knew that they were creating identities out of these different divisions. And they were saying, well, we're, we're followers of Paul and we're followers of these other people. Well, we believe this and this is who we are. And he says, look, 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 I know you're trying to create identities out of all of these things. But remember, your true identity is found through your baptism. And it's found in the truth that you are one with Christ. So in Galatians chapter 3, he says this. He says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ, and there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so he reminds this church that was divided over many issues, he says, look, when you believed and you were baptized, you became one with Christ, and because you're one with Christ, as the body of Christ, you're also one with one another. Now live into that spiritual reality in your practical everyday lives. But he doesn't stop there. He says, believe, be united in Christ. And then he says this. He says, be led by the Holy Spirit. And he reminds them that when they believed in Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God, also known as the Holy Spirit, came and filled their hearts. And so he says, look, now live by the Spirit. And the, and the passage we're about to look at, this is really going to be the context and the home base for this series that we're going to be in. And this comes from Galatians chapter 5. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. For if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. So that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. 
And so here, I, I want to clarify this term. I mean, you, you see this term flesh that Paul uses. This isn't, he's not talking about our literal physical bodies here. Here, flesh, in some translations, is translated our sinful nature. So he says, look, you can gratify your sinful nature. You can move in that direction. Or you can be filled and live by the Spirit and move in that direction. And, and this lives in each of us, the Holy Spirit and all believers... And the flesh remains. And when we become believers, the the flesh no longer reigns, but it still remains in us. And so Paul is saying, look, you have to choose which direction you're going to go every day. And so he says, walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. And then he continues on. He says this, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus <clears throat> have, crucified <clears throat> have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. And here Paul makes it pretty clear for them. He says, look, do you want to live lives characterized by... Envy, hatred, divisions, all of these acts of the flesh. Do you want to live lives characterized by those things? Or do you want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness? I might be forgetting one. I'm going to do that throughout the series. Self-control, right? He's saying, or do you want all of those things? If you want all of those things, walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. And he says this because the Holy Spirit's power and presence in us produces these fruit in us. The power and presence of the Holy Spirit in us produces these fruit in us. And when you heard that list, I I don't know about you, I mean, when you heard that list of the fruit of the Spirit, I mean, don't you want those things? Don't you want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I want all of those things. I mean, don't you want those for your neighbor? Don't you want those for our community, for our country? I mean, if I had one wish right now, I think it would be that we would all be filled with the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit would be made real in our lives. And this is what Paul is telling us here. The good news that Paul is telling us is that the fruit of the Spirit, all of these things, these aren't unattainable, these aren't far off, these aren't crazy hard to get. He's saying these are actually available to all of us through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the good news is he's not only saying they're available to us, He's saying because the Spirit of Christ, because the Holy Spirit has been sent into your life and is filling you, you can bear those fruit. 
And you don't have to manufacture them yourselves. You don't have to work yourselves to death. You don't have to muster up a lot of energy to produce these things. He says they are fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if anybody, anybody in here a gardener or like a, a fruit expert or anything? Anybody have a quarantine garden they've started? Okay, a few of you. I don't know a lot about fruit. But I know that, that fruit isn't made in factories, right? Fruit grows organically. Oftentimes fruit starts small as a seed. And then when you plant it, a lot of times the stuff that it's doing, it grows in the dark. And, and for people like you and me who aren't botanists or scientists, I mean, it's a little bit of a mystery. But over time, if a plant is healthy, what it does is it naturally bears fruit. And Paul is telling us here that we can bear fruit in our lives, that this is how the Holy Spirit works in us. The presence and power of the Holy Spirit in us produces the fruit of the Spirit in us. And we can be characterized by all of these things, which are ultimately the character of Jesus Christ. And now we can't control the Holy Spirit. If you ever try to do that, you're going to fail. We can't control the Holy Spirit, but we can cultivate the soil of our hearts. We can remove the weeds and the negative things in our lives. We can pray and say to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh like rain on the soil of my life. Fill me again. And the promise of God is that as the Holy Spirit fills us and we're led by the Spirit and we walk by the Spirit, we will experience the fruit of the Spirit. And so in this sermon series, what we're going to be doing each week is we're going to be looking at a different fruit of the Spirit. Kind of what it looks like, what it could look like in our lives, and diving deeper into each of them each week. And now, if you heard the list of the fruit of the Spirit earlier, what, what's the first fruit of the Spirit? Love. Love. And now, if you've spent much time in, in, in church or in the Bible, I mean, you'll, you'll probably realize that's not that surprising. Because First John tells us that God is love. And then when we look at Jesus' life like we did earlier this year in the book of Mark and the Gospels, we find Jesus' life was a life characterized by love. And then if we think about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit wants to make us more like Christ, well then of course the Holy Spirit wants to bear the fruit of love in our lives. And actually, if you think about the fruit of the Spirit, one of the things you'll see is that actually they're all connected to love. The pastor who officiated the wedding of Emily and I, Dr. Davis Chapel, I recently heard him say this. He said, the fruit, the other fruit are all expressions of love. He said, joy is love singing. Peace is love resting. Patience is love waiting. Kindness is love's caress. Goodness is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's disposition. Self-control is love's discipline. Everything comes back to love. When Jesus was asked by an expert in the law, what's the greatest commandment? When they were trying to trick Jesus, what did he say? 
He said, love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then later, Jesus said, hey, people will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. And 1 John, we find that if we love one another, then what happens is our invisible God becomes visible in our daily lives and in the world to people around us. And so if you think about it this morning, I mean, love is really a great place to start. And so as we start this series, as we started back in-person worship today, as we, as we start the march towards the election, as we start trying to, to heal and mend the discord and the division in our lives, in our church, in our country, and in our world, love is a great place to start. And so this morning, what I want us to do as we close the message is, is to pray. Is to pray and to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with love. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with himself and ask the Spirit, would you bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? And today especially, would you help us be people of love. And this is something the Holy Spirit doesn't want these things to just stay in us. The Holy Spirit wants these things to overflow out of our lives into our relationships with other people. And so I have a prayer I'm going to put on the screen here, and we're going to pray it together in just a moment. And this prayer is a prayer that was written by an Anglican minister named John Stott. John Stott uh, was a very brilliant man, but the people who were closest to him said, you know what, before he died, they said he was a person whose character was characterized by the Holy Spirit, by the fruit of the Spirit. He was someone filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And what people learned is that every single morning, he would pray this prayer. And we're gonna share this in our email and in social media and we're going to pray it today, but I want to invite you to make this your prayer each and every day in the season ahead. Because what our world needs right now is Christians who are filled with the Holy Spirit and who bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so would you, would you pray this prayer with me out loud? Would you say it? Heavenly Father, I pray that this day I may live in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen.